you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL Podcast has a major beef with Spice Rack. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hey! I got no beef with the rack. Nor do I. Well, that feels like something to stirred up again by whoever's directing mm. these these reads. Yeah, which I don't appreciate it, quite frankly. We're you know we're peaceful people. You're, you're peaceful folk. You're desert consigliere, Chris Wesseling, that gives us lots of good football tips, and I, I've I've developed I quite a nice relationship with him. I was going to say formerly yeah. formerly my desert consigliere, now Greg's desert consigliere. Oh, he's a talented man. Uh, Feels slightly possessive by Greg there, but we can roll on. <laughs> I didn't say that. He said. That. <laughs> Mark, I notice you're wearing your fancy uh, green shirt with the buttons again underneath yeah. the button-up. It goes well with your nice haircut. You're looking good Got once haircut. again. Got a haircut. Um, this shirt I found out because I tried to put it under various things in my yep. house does not work with most of my most of my clothing items. It's uh, for people because this is an audio medium. The, it's a, a kind of like a military green color with two very sexy buttons. What color do you, you see, Greg? I see green, military green. Yeah. And then your hair, nice and tight on the sides, and then a little party up top, which yeah. I like as well. This is, this, is <laughs> the type of of, this is the type of look um, that you know inspired uh, Emika, my wife, to say Mark's just a hottie a week ago. I think Dan missed that. Well, that, oh, well that's not the, the that's quote I got last yeah. time. It's that, just that's that a better quote than great. last time. Yeah. Really? That, that's the underline. Not, not bad looking. Being oversold a little bit, but, but no, no one can see. No. Real, so. Uh, this is the Wednesday edition of the Around the NFL uh, podcast. This is Hump Day. Yes, it is. Oof. Bringing that back, huh? Oof. We just got to get over the hump. It's actually true for <laughs> for our football season. With this is almost like the Wednesday section of the season that we're heading into now. Yeah, if the season was broken down like a week. Right. Oof. A lot so of days. So this left. is the hump week. Yeah, we're entering week seven. And I feel like the hump is like week seven to about 11 or 12, maybe. Yeah. Before we get to Thursday, which is an underrated day. I like getting past Halloween. 
You know, once you get, that's a nice little signpost. Thanksgiving's I, a nice one as well. I, I say by the time we get past <laughs> Christmas Day, for me, that feels like we've made some progress. Super, Valentine's Super Day Bowl. is big, too. Valentine's Day is really enjoyable. Flight home from Super Bowl. Combine. A lot to get to uh, uh, today. Uh, a new segment that uh, we call uh, Fatal Flaw or In for the Long Haul. Nicely done, Wes. Thank you. Uh, also, we will preview Thursday Night Football, Broncos Cardinals. Uh, we will also hit some news. And, uh, Erica, we had our um, Tuesday Twitter show yesterday. Colleen Wolf was involved, as she is every week. It, what's so funny? Why are you laughing? Just your fart sound effect <laughs> for the Cardinals. <laughs> I, I can't stop laughing. Not I don't ex- know why. I'm not excited about <laughs> TNF this week. Must be nice to be a Patriots fan. Uh, and um, uh, Colleen Wolf, every Tuesday is on the Twitter show. She came on um, this week and talked a little bit about her travel uh, kind of observations and violations. So we're going to kind of include it in today's show. So just let anybody that's not watching the Twitter show, first of all, what's up? What's your problem? Yeah, you have one, obviously. And number two, uh, this is what you're missing. So fun. Let's start, though, with some news. All right. A little update on uh, the Steelers situation with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, We still don't have any real update. Judy Batista says the team's not expecting the veteran running back to report to the facility this week. Of course, it was reported by ESPN, and Lev Bell even spoke on it, um, that reporting during the week seven bye week and then maybe playing in week eight and then putting this all behind them as a team. But uh, they are in their bye week, still no Le'Veon Bell, and you have to wonder if he's coming back. He's event- He has to come back because if he doesn't come back by, I believe, what, week 10, his contract tolls for another year or it, it, the Steelers have more control over him. So he's going to report at some point. But it's not going to be coming up, it looks like, in week eight. Wes? If I'm a teammate of his, I'm getting increasingly agitated to the point of just being flat pissed off. Hmm. The guy stops returning your text, text when the season opens, and then there's, re- there's reports that he's coming back. He doesn't even return your text about when he's coming back. He can't deign to tell anybody on the team his plans, much less his <laughs> teammates, and you want me to line up and block for him in a week? Here's the thing. The original report was from Jeremy Fowler. It wasn't from... Adam Schefter or any of the national guys. It was it was from someone who had talked to Le'Veon Bell. And the original report said the week seven to eight time frame. So he could easily show up next week. But Fowler, when, you know, kind of asked about it this week, was just like, well, this this is a, in the original plan that I reported unless things change. So I don't think – basically, and no one knows what's inside of Le'Veon Bell's head right now. One thing I see creeping up on Twitter is this brushback of anyone who's critiquing Le'Veon Bell for right. the reasons you just mentioned that, oh, listen, listen, sports writer or fan, if you don't understand the concept of protecting your body for your career and what comes next after Pittsburgh, that that's fine. I get I get what we Le'Veon Bell is it. doing. My thing is that football, every time we talk about all these teams, it is a team sport, and the concept of team is lost in this situation in terms of Le'Veon Bell dealing with the rest of the roster. The media almost always and fans almost will always side with the player. Not this, in this case. This Not case, in this it's case. a little bit different. It seems like there's a we saw the media and fans sign with Earl side with Earl Thomas, but with Le'Veon Bell, it's a little different. The one thing that Wes, to your point, that kind of a little bit on my radar is that Lev Bell, when we do hear from him, is 
almost propping himself up as this pillar of integrity. He's not doing this for himself. No, no, no. I'm doing this for every Joe Blow out there that gets taken advantage of by his team. Meanwhile, he's leaving, what, $15 million on the table, leaving his team out to dry. He's treating future running backs better than he treats his own teammates. There you go. Uh, Moving on, another running back in the news, Devonta Freeman, who signed a huge deal uh, with the um, Falcons last year, six years, $43 million. And cannot stay on the field ever since he signed that deal, and it's a, a it's problematic and troubling. Uh, he's having groin surgery, uh, and will be placed on injured reserve. Rap sheet reported this. Uh, Jay Glazer first reported the move to IR, and then the Falcons confirmed it. The hope is that uh, Freeman uh, will be a candidate to return. A little IR boomerang action, uh, but he's going to miss eight weeks, and the Falcons are two and four. Uh, Mark, they, they can't take any more losses, let's be honest. I think Greg said it perfectly on our Twitter show where it's just not their year. I mean, you could not find more things to simply go wrong for Atlanta, a team that came in with Super Bowl hopes. And it was Tevin Coleman whose name trickled about in trade whispers just weeks ago. And when this kind of thing happens, whatever your plans were as the Falcons completely change. Now what was a really nice one-two punch backfield when they were both healthy, rarely, now is essentially leaning on Tevin Coleman and Ido Smith to carry the load. I just think the Falcons could become less and less watchable as the weeks go on if mm. these injuries continue to mount. In other injury Fre- news. Freeman's barely given them anything, though. Isn't that worth Not this no- season. Notice. He's, been notice. He's been banged up they the whole They paid year. him and made him the most, you know, this is a, a case for the Steelers against paying running backs. They made him, you know, the, the richest running back in the league. He did not play as well last year as he had played before. And they have Ito Smith, who stepped in as a late-round pick. And frankly, I don't think they've lost that much uh, with Ito Smith. He's looked really good. I mean, uh, you know, tying this to Le'Veon Bell, there's a reason why teams hesitate to pay running backs. Who knows? Maybe Devonta Freeman's breaking down at 26 years old. These guys, they all wear and tear differently, and Lev Bell's had a lot of mileage. You can understand. And now Tevin Coleman has 10 games to prove whether the Falcons – should re-sign him or let him go? I kind of think Edo Smith will be the main guy. He he was at the key, at the key moments last week, and I think at best Coleman's going to end up splitting carries because Edo Smith maybe is a more complete player. In... The judge, all rise. How do you like him being on uh, Aaron Judge's corner? A lot of all rises. Judge Edo? A lot of all, all like rises that. going on uh, in Atlanta these days. <laughs> Not a great judge, <laughs> though. That is who we judge would name after. People, yeah, people, really? are, people yes. love calling him Judge Ito, and so they're doing the all-rise thing a little bit. This is how old we are. We're covering football players who were was named that, after was, the judge in the O.J. I mean, named during the case Wait, or after the case? what are you talking about? It's his last name. His first name. Oh, Ito Smith. What am Ito I saying? Smith. He I'm was named idiot. after Judge Lance Ito. I'm, I'm just – it's a bit of long. It was Greg long. is young. He wasn't around I'm old during enough the OJ trial. I'm old enough. Well, Greg was born age 32. I was thinking of Judge Ito's last name. I'm an idiot. I remember the dancing Ito's on Jay Leno back in the day. Um, Judge, judge Lance Ito took a lot of fire. It wasn't he seen as a did. great judge. Yeah, absolutely. I will so tell you something real quick. Name- I was I'm old enough. I was in college when the the decision came down on OJ, and we were in a giant student center, and the decision was announced on television. The place went nuts, and the lights cut out. The, it went totally pitch black dark, and for like ten minutes, utter chaos. I mean, it, to to you, maybe not a hero. Um, was a very popular decision among among many. Whereas Judge Ito, I think, was you know finding some some justice that pe- people thought. Yeah, but along the way, saying, he was not seen as like. He, 
It Wait, was not saying among you and your in your group of friends, yes. But in other circles, I think Judge Ito was seen as a as a guy who uh, was colorblind and uh, he didn't decide here. the case. Greg. I don't know what did he. That do? was a jury. It's decided by a jury, though. But he was just a, you know a good guy. He leaned it the right way. <laughs> what are you talking? Greg about? Greg's uh, OJ analysis gone a little sideways here. Like Greg's uh, like a, a kid that has to do a book report but didn't really read the book and he's just kind of winging it. <laughs> oh well, um, it happens. All right, moving on. More injury news. Uh, Josh Josh Allen for the Bills, the rookie. He's he's been put in a tough spot this year, and and now he's injured. He hurt his uh, elbow. He sprained his uh, UCL. Which, if you are a, a baseball fan, for instance, you know that is sometimes a precursor to the dreaded Tommy John surgery, uh, which is a ligament replacement. Hopefully, it doesn't end up going in that direction. But it's a serious enough injury for Allen uh, that he's going to miss this week um, against the Colts and multiple weeks it looks like uh so Allen is out and this is how bad things are for nathan peterman uh the uh bill signed Derek anderson off the street last week and he's going to start actually on sunday uh for the bills so uh and if you needed any more um uh, reminder of what a bad mistake they made again and not that aj mccarron was a stud but instead of having another guy in the house that, you know, trained with the team through the offseason and preseason and knows the playbook, instead you signed Derek uh, Anderson out of cobwebs, and now he's starting for you. So good luck with that, Buffalo. Dan, you're a baseball fan. When you hear owner collateral ligament, what do you think? I hear Tommy John surgery. Guy, you're going to miss a guy for a year. I mean, it, if fo- that happens. Fo- football's different, and they're saying he doesn't need the surgery. Maybe. They're hoping that rest. They don't know. And that's what they always say about pitchers. Yep. Maybe we can work through this with rest and rehab. And football's different. It's not the same throwing motion, so maybe it's not as debilitating. But if I'm a Bills fan, I'm kind of hoping I don't see Josh Allen again the rest of this year. Just let him rest. There's no reason to. This is such a worst-case scenario. I mean, you get rid of Tyrod Taylor. It's just They, they have the number three defense in the NFL, according to uh, Football Outsiders and they're just going to waste everyone's time for the rest of the year. Well, they talked about Sean McDermott having to start Derek Anderson to not lose the locker room by starting Nathan Peterman. Well, yeah, well, Peterman's go. got the highest inter- interception rate since at least yeah. 1975. I don't mind them getting rid of McCarron. I hate this the whole off-season plan they had before they ever got McCarron. Eric right. Anderson's, Anderson's just as good, but they, they could have kept Tyrod Taylor. Moving on, the Oakland Raiders, speaking of uh, teams – dealing with a lot of turmoil right now. Uh, they have a, 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 they're looking to trade Amari Cooper. And uh, what are they looking for, according to Rap Sheet? A first-round pick for the wide receiver. Let's start there. A couple things with the Raiders. But, Wes, we'll start with Cooper, who's had another kind of enigma- enigmatic season this year. Is he worth a first-round pick? Well, let me put it this way. I tweeted that out as soon as Rap Sheet put it on the aftermath the other day. And the responses were all like a competition to see who could have the best dying laughing gif. (laughs) And um, nobody thinks he's worth a first-round pick. This is a guy who came into the league, had two 1,000-yard seasons. Daniel Jeremiah was saying his rookie year, I like this guy better than Odell Beckham. He's going to have a better career than Odell Beckham. And obviously that's not going to happen. I think the question for me, he has obvious talent. He could be a number one receiver. I think there's got to be something more to it. How much is he in love with football? How you know? Well, how- that's the report. Mike Lombardi said that he's heard from inside the organization that they don't—they're not convinced that 
Amari Cooper is passionate about the game to the level of trading a first-round pick. Give me a break. I think that happens quite often. And Not everybody's going to be guy, in love though, with like you, you loved him a couple years ago. It, the, the reason the first-round pick is ridiculous because he's already near the end of his rookie contract. Right. But if you had said that two years ago, people would have said, of course, you know, give up. Yeah, but how many players – Now we know more. Now how many players more. do you actually find traded for a first-round pick at all? It's, it's increasingly rare that that's the case. No, it's the superstars, and that's it. And this guy is not a superstar. He's on the fifth-year option next year, so it'll be – he is a trade. And player. if you do remember back to uh, Gruden's first public appearance after his introductory press conference at the Combine, he was talking up Cooper as a guy that could be a centerpiece of the offense. I, I believe that Gruden meant that at the time, and now after he got a close look at him and how the season has played out – he must not feel the same way about him anymore. Uh, moving on. Uh, oh, yeah, more Gruden on the Raiders. He had a, um, a press conference. Uh, the Raiders are on their bye week, so they won't lose, and that's good uh, because John Gruden seems to be fraying a little bit uh, as the season takes a toll, and it's been a very difficult season. Here's what Gruden had to say when asked if you know the team was potentially tanking uh, and essentially giving up on 2018 to build for a brighter tomorrow. I'll say this. We're not tanking anything. You know, I hear the hatred out there, some of the rumors that we're tanking it to get a first-round pick or a higher pick. Um, you know, we're not getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to tank it. it. Ain't nobody tanking it. And he was also asked on any decisions that he regrets. I got a list of things I regret. You know, I got a list of things. I'm sure you do, too. Uh, unless you're perfect. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think any of it's us like... are perfect. We're trying. We're working hard. Um, I'm not going to never throw the ball in first and goal again. You know, all, all my friends in the league do it. <laughs> Referring what? to first and goal, uh, Derek Carr interception a couple of weeks ago when, again, you had Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. Just stack a, like 11 in the box now against the Raiders. He sounds super frustrated and a little bit um, defeated, to be quite honest. It's the opposite of what anyone expected when he had that opening introductory press conference with like 350 people there, and NFL.com did like a 2,000-word summary of it. It was like, we get Gruden back in our lives. This is so exciting. And right now, on the field and off the field, I don't think any team is operating in a more ugly fashion than Oakland. I mean, they can't even contain their own desires to trade a player and then have in, in chatter coming from other areas of in-house that the player doesn't want to play football anymore. Well done. But the... On some level, the NFL Network and us were celebrating it, if, if nothing else, because he would be interesting. None of us thought he'd, they'd be good. And we're gonna... talking about them right now. We're not talking about the one in five Cardinals. No, I was just going to say, he's his contract, his history, and the way the media covers him says he's an important figure, but the Raiders are irrelevant right now. And it's partially because of their head coach. Uh, let's move on. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have made a move on their coaching staff. Mike Smith, the defensive coordinator, fired uh, on Monday – uh, the team uh, has made the decision to turn to linebackers coach Mark Duffer. So he takes over as the interim. Uh, Smith joined the Bucks in 2016 when uh, uh, Dirk Cutter took over as the head coach. Uh, but the Bucks have given up 20, count them, 20 400-yard gains. That's the most in the NFL uh, since Smith joined. And things have not gotten any better this season uh, after the Falcons lit up Tampa Bay on Sunday, the decision was made to move on. So, um, Dirk Cutter, I don't know how many more guys he could fire or reassign uh, because they're going to come for him next. Mark Duffner is kind of interesting. I remember him back – this is going back 18 to 20 years. He was mentioned as a likely Bengals head coach 
during one of those Dick LeBeau or Bruce Coslett firings, this guy was seen as a young, up-and-coming defensive mind. Also because the Bengals were cheap back then and just wanted to promote in-house. But, <laughs> but he was seen as that kind of mind back in the day. It's uh, it's it's tough to see how Mike, I mean, Mike Smith. Not that we have a, like a personal relationship with him. Just having having watched that in Hard Knocks, like you just feel you do feel for him that that's how he went out because it was as ugly and probably depressing as it possibly could have been. And the and Dirk Cutter, you get the feeling pushed ownership or whoever wanted to fire him. Give him one more week. Let's give him the bye week to figure things out, and then they come out and they're just as bad, if not worse, than they were before. I find it interesting. It was months ago that we were excited about the additions the Bucks had made on defense, and they're on pace yes. to give up the most points in NFL history. So part of it has got to be scheme. And I think that Mike Smith ran some of the most dull, antiquated defenses around. And while we, we look at these offensive play calls and say, oh, they're changing the game, we're waiting for a defensive coach to do the same thing, and it's not been happening in Tampa. Uh, you said we don't know him in, in the spirit of journalistic integrity, Greg. Mike Smith is my uncle. Mm. I actually purchased him the Tevas that he wore on Hard Knocks a few years ago. Unky Mike. Moving on. Paul Allen is dead. The Seattle Seahawks owner uh, passes away at the age of 65. Complications from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. The, the the family announced in a statement on Monday. Paul Allen, a titan in the world of tech uh, and philanthropy, uh, but uh, he is known in the sports world as the guy that kind of saved Seattle uh, kept pro sports in Seattle, uh, kept the Seahawks in Seattle, and turned them into one of the best kind of home field uh, and, and and one of the more active and, and proud NFL cities. Also owned the Trailblazers in Portland. Uh, he had been battling uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma for decades, first uh, diagnosed in the early 80s, uh, came back in 2009. He thought he was in the clear, came back again, and it got him. So very sad. Uh, Paul Allen passed away at the age of 65. He didn't have any children, was not married, and um, I wonder what that means for the Seahawks going forward, but Allen will be missed. He was one of the one of the best owners, I believe. I think the best owners in sports understand that owning a professional sports franchise that bears a city's name means that it's also a public trust and a higher calling. And the responsibility is greater than just profit motive. And I think that was Paul Allen's approach toward owning sports teams. You, you saw, you know, it's it's rare that an NFL owner, you know, that's like a very tiny part of what his legacy or his life was. You know, this was just something he did. But you did see some of the innovative thinking go on that Eddie brought to tech and, and the rest of his business life with, with the Seahawks, with the, the way they built that stadium, with the way that – who he hired with the management, with the, the facility that they have on the water there, like everything about it was like very intelligent and embraced kind of different thinking. And you can even see that with their, their head coach right now, who he had a very close relationship with. I think it's easy to forget when we were growing up, Wes, long before Dan and, and uh, Greg were <laughs> adults, but the Seahawks were that everlasting seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and 17 that could never get over the hump. They were in the AFC West for years. They were like the current Dolphins. They really were. And it's, when he got there, it immediately changed. Yes. Yeah, they went to three Super Bowls in Allen's time with the team, winning once, of course. And uh, and Roger Goodell, um, in his statement that he released after the death uh, became public, 
uh, cited that he was one of the more trusted owners uh, in in the uh, entire league and also was a part of like the safety initiatives and uh, looking, striving for ways to make the game safer uh, with technology. Uh, so Paul Allen will be missed dead at the age of 65. Moving on, uh, Greg, um, finally in the news here, a bad job by uh, on the throne of Sleaze. Uh, a Patriots fan, um, uh, Tyreek Hill, scores a touchdown late in that classic Sunday night football game, and uh, he gets to a little like fan enclave area, and he's getting a bunch of birds, middle fingers in his face. Somebody throws a beer on him. Probably one of Erica's friends, let's be honest. And, um, and, and douses Tyreek Hill with a beer. That fan was identified and uh, banned from Gillette Stadium and arrested. So he got banged. Uh, but That's a good job by the throne of, throne of sleaze. You know, I don't know if they did anything to that Yankees fan who, you know, threw beer at players uh, just a week that was, ago. That was different. Were they banned for life? or That was or? a fan. That was fan on fan violence. No, he, he hit uh, Craig Kimball, the uh, the uh, Red Sox closer, threw beer on him. But that's a Red Sox. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I see. That's, that's not the same thing. Um, the same. The, the, yeah, the Patriots handled it the way you'd want them. But I, I find it weird more like, and it's fun be, to, to single out the Patriots, but uh, the whole move, like if you watch it, because I did re- watch it and slow it down just to see how it all played out. When Tyreek Hill gets to this group of people who obviously are probably – feeling pretty good uh, that at that point in the night. They'd probably been drinking for five or six hours. Um, everyone with the with the middle fingers and the yelling F you and then the beard dash like, what are we doing here? What are you so what are you so angry about? Enjoy the game. You have a front row seat for this amazing shootout. Like I don't get historically that. they don't have a lot to be angry about, but I don't think New England invented the poor beer on player move. I mean No, I just said know, like I, I I'm just talking in general that time of that. It was fan, a, it was a lathered up hate, hateful little section of the fan base. You can have fun with the idea that he just scored the touchdown and you could say, you know, boo him or whatever, but like you're treating him like he just like kidnapped your mother. It's a little I feel strange. like the, the middle finger is more offensive in some places probably than others, or more just part of your life. You know, in, in Boston and <laughs> New England, it's just kind of like, oh hey, how you doing today? It's just like the fingers are always out. Tim Posty knows what I'm saying. It's so true. It's true. I'm not even joking. <laughs> that was the most offensive. Behavior, Charming place. Most offensive. <laughs> Offensive behavior in the back of the end zone since Vontez Burfecht casually jogged up to a cameraman and just threw him and his camera over for no reason. <laughs> Is that guy still in the league? Can we just can, can we end just, this? I know, the he's, the like a, he's like a I, wrestling villain at this point. I want, I mean, maybe I should do it since I'm suggesting it, but Wes feels like the guy. Maybe just do like a an opinion, like an op-ed. We never have that on NFL.com. Going through Vontez Burfecht's life, what he did last week, and asking the NFL to get rid of him. People would li- listen to Chris Wesley. I feel this like I've like written a long this article form. three times on our very site <laughs> okay. and gone on this podcast and have five-minute soliloquies on how You've been on this beat. Vontez Burfecht should That's be kicked out of the league and his head coach is the biggest enabler in the NFL Every single time. But what if we, yeah, what if we do the long form with like the really tasteful professional pictures and the pull quotes and you talk to people yes. all around the league and it's, you know, hashtag like, what, what should the Sounds hashtag? Sounds like a lot of work. Help, help me out here. You know, like eject perfect or something like that. Ban you know? perfect. I think we could do it. Oh, or you or think Wes can do it? Wes can you're, do you're basically giving the project well, Wes, to Wes. Wes was assigning four thousand word assign, long form. He was assigning me some research project earlier this week. <laughs> Here's an alternative to that. How about a good football player just stops trying to intentionally injure his opponents? 
That's what's happening in the news. Uh, let's hear from our sponsor. Uh, actually, I think, Erica, you should be reading this because uh, I missed it last time, and uh, apparently it was it was highly charged. So I'm going to hand this one over no, to you. No, she did an excellent job. Oh, God. And um, you're going to handle today's ad read. She doesn't want to do it in front of Dan. Dan is handing I'm the nervous. piece of paper through <laughs> the glass door to Erica. All right. I'm going to go have a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) You may or may not have heard, but Lowe's is the new home of craftsmen, which means that at Lowe's you'll find an ever-growing selection of mechanics, tools, tool storage, and more, in-store and online, ready to help tackle projects throughout your home. And one of those projects happened to be in a really tight space to get to, then (laughs) then you definitely need to check out the 120-tooth ratchet. It is a three-degree arc swing, you guys. Do you know what that does? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) What? We didn't either, but we do now. A three-degree arc swing means you can loosen or tighten bolts with less movement in those hard-to-reach spots. That should make it easy to tackle any auto or DIY project on your list. Plus, they come in gunmetal chrome finish that's not only sharp-looking, it makes them corrosion-resistant. Cool, right? <laughs> Shop the new home of Craftsman today at Lowe's.com slash around. That's Lowe's.com slash around. Oofa. It's um, not surprising now, having heard that, why on our Tuesday Twitter show, someone asked you out, uh, one of our listeners in a video message asked yeah. you out for a date. Yeah, that was, that was nice. And last, you said yes. You accepted. La- yeah. Well, we'll get into that. Um <laughs> Last time I said like a hundred twenty tooth ratchet, and then I gave a little follow up like love those teeth. <laughs> but I don't are you calling back to your last ad read after doing this one? That's <laughs> that's okay. I'm well, professional. It's a good test know. of what the shadowy league figures are. How often they're yeah. checking in these. Days. This is a good test. I think they're going to greenlight that. Uh, why is there an update about the uh, the Twitter user that asked you out on the Twitter show? And no, you no, said no update. No update. It's yeah. going to happen in Atlanta. It's Super Bowl week. Yeah. I'm going to get a drink. Yeah. Have, you have his Twitter account. Have you looked into him and the, the, mm. what he is? Not who he really. Is? No, not, not We can really. help you out with that, a little research just yeah, to make I sure he's a not a research. psychopath. Well, I think, I think you guys have to be with me. Like, you guys can sit at the table behind me. I was going to ask if you wanted a chaperone. Yeah, I think you guys should come with well, me. Well, we won't sit at the table. You guys have to be one-on-one, but we'll be maybe like two tables over yeah. just to make sure everything is okay. okay. In disguise. All right, uh, here we go. Fatal flaw or in for the long haul, uh, our segment where we break down teams that are kind of in the mix, contenders, playoff uh, hopefuls, favorites in the league, and issues that they're dealing with right now uh, here during the season's hump day uh, period and whether or not these issues are going to ultimately undermine them and, and destroy their title chances or they can be solved or at least uh, patched over, put it that way. Uh, so, got a bunch of teams here, because like we've been talking about, a lot of teams are in the mix this year. It's a good season. It's been a good NFL season so far, compared to last year. Yes. Less, less off the field controversy, less Donald Trump, less uh, debilitating injuries to stars. And it's great been a nice game. year. Like, great very good game, games. Great yeah. games in primetime. I was the I. I always hesitate because, you know, I love football and I work for the NFL, so you're afraid of sounding like too much of a homer. But after another classic primetime game, after we got Mahomes-Brady one night and then a great Aaron Rodgers the next day, I'm thinking, like, 
Yeah, this is why people love the NFL. Browns this beating the been, Jets. That was amazing. a night to remember. It's been some great games. That, that was, was an excellent night. That was one of the highest-rated Thursday night affairs in, it's been in a good the year. history. Didn't like that. That one. was nice. Baker Mayfield. Yep, I thought that was excellent. A star is born. Yep, it's the greatest reality show on television, which is why it always gets the best ratings. Uh, these sound like potential slogans <laughs> that we could uh, work in down the line for the NFL. The NFLs. Fantastic. Because <laughs> I have not. That, that is that. good. That I feel like that's kind of copywritten by uh, the NBA, but we could see if that maybe has lapsed. Uh, I have not heard back from uh, Roger Goodell on any of my pitches from a couple weeks back. He's probably intimidated by what you delivered. <laughs> Goodell's been lying low this year. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, and that's not a bad thing either. Just focus on the game. Let's have fun, and let's now focus on these teams. Starting with, all right, fatal flaw or in for the long haul. The Houston Texans started 0-3, now 3-3, tied atop the AFC South. Ooh, but that tricky situation on uh, the, the key spots of the offensive line, the tackles. Fatal flaw? Long haul. This is a fatal flaw. No matter who they put at left tackle, he is getting – Deshaun Watson is getting treated by like a piñata. Julian Davenport gets benched for having like five penalties in a game. The next week, Martinez Rangan comes in and gets like turned into a turnstile. Then they turn back to Julian T- Davenport, and Watson gets killed all game by the Bills. This is a problem, and the Texans might rise to the surface in that division. Doesn't matter. They'll get beat in the first round of the playoffs by a real team. Right, so when we call it a fatal flaw, part of the – it's like, yes, they could sneak into the playoffs or finish with a 9-7 and seven record, but ultimately fatal means they're, they're no contender on any level because of this. I agree with you. They are a fraud even if they make the Woo! playoffs. Somebody will undress them in the first round. I, and I don't think they will. I don't think they will make the playoffs because of this. And I, this is the one I maybe feel more strong than any on the list, that this is a fatal flaw. Uh, you know, Some people that know a lot more about offensive line play, Brian Baldinger was tweeting about this yesterday, Seth Payne, who has followed uh, the team for a long time. And they, they were basically disgusted by Bill O'Brien. And this should come back to Bill O'Brien. It made me think about it. By his total inability not only to fix this problem, but to kind of like accept some of the mental errors and effort errors and the same things year after year. So this is a coaching problem that they that they could not be like almost offended by as former linemen that that it's been his problem. And that's one big difference between Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick, and he hasn't been able to solve. Three teams in this division are getting destroyed, but quarterbacks are getting killed by their offensive lines. All right, let's stay in the AFC South. The Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback position, fatal flaw or long haul? Hmm. So yeah, you're. I guess it'd be fate if we're saying like win a championship. You know, it's a flaw. It wasn't last year. It was. It I was. don't think so. In the end, in the end, I think they were going to get beat by a an offense that could score points reliably. And this year, their defense is even less. Well, I guess my point dominant. is ten point lead in the fourth quarter of yeah. the AFC title yeah, I game. Hear you. I hear they you. almost pulled off what would have been deemed impossible beforehand. Against the, Patriots. the question is whether Jagu- if, if Blake Bortles can get hot because they don't really have a backup plan here, as we talked about during the summer. We know he can get hot. I think the question is, can he get hot for like three or four games at a time? I don't trust that. Two games at a time. Right. Can he do a Flacco or an Eli Manning? And I think that's unlikely in, in today's climate. I, I don't think it's a flaw that can prevent them from winning this division. I just 
Yeah. And is their defense that, good enough to even pick up the slack this year? In the last couple of weeks. I also think the rest of their offense, what we saw in January, they were all humming, and they the, the play calling everything was maximized. I, the rest of their offense is not what it was last year at that time. Why does it seem right. so hard? I know this is a little off topic. Why does it seem so hard for great defenses to follow it up with another great year? I just feel like a lot of time these t- these D's come back to earth, even if the personnel is the same or even technically better. Well, I think health is a big reason, and this doesn't seem that important, but DJ Hayden, their slot corner was out, and the Cowboys slot receiver, Cole Beasley, picked on the Jaguars the entire game. Like, health is a factor. It shouldn't but also, be that important. But also – when the quarter when is the is the buy in for the for the quarterback still the same? That's what what you said, Dan, just kind of observationally has been is one of the analytical sort of bedrocks of a, a site like Football Outsiders that defense is not as predictable year after year. You can't keep it. And that's why it's a lot of people believe it's just smarter to build around offense because that's a lot more predictable. Yeah, year after that's year. true. Uh, the Cowboys wide receiver group. Speaking of Cole Beasley, he broke out. But in general, it's been a very quiet season. Fatal flaw or in for the long haul? I'm going to go in for the long haul because I think if if the Cowboys don't get it done this year, it's not because of their wide receivers. I mean, I think that's certainly a weakness, but I think it's one that they can overcome. If the offensive line plays like it did the last few weeks and the defense plays like it did the last few weeks, that's one position that I think you can survive having a, a low level. I do think out. there was some hubris, though, on the part of the Cowboys organization to do as little as they did at that position in an off in a league where the offense is changing so much that they roll into the September with what they have, it was an immediate problem, and it's still a problem. I think it's a fatal flaw. I think the rest of this roster could be sort of NFC championship game caliber if everything goes well, but you cannot keep up with the Rams, the Saints, and even the Vikings with this wide receiver court. Here's my thing, though. If they had a better quarterback – like a really high-level one and or a high-level offensive coordinator, I think you can make up for those wide receivers. They just might not have that. I think this team could win nine or ten games, but they're not a title contender. And that's, I think a big part of that is the lack of explosiveness in their passing game. So I will also say fatal flaw. Moving on! <laughs> oh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody loves the quarterback. Showtime, Mahomes. Stop it. No. Stop yeah, it. Enough with that. But fatal flaw. We're in for the long haul. Chiefs secondary. It's a flaw. I don't think it's fatal because I think they can score with anyone. They can get into a shootout with any team and come out on top. The AFC is not that strong. If they are one of the worst defenses in the league, and they are, this could be the year that one of the worst defenses in the league is attached to a Super Bowl winner. I think they can, yeah. when their offense is Patriots, playing the way this, they can do anything. Patriots have done it for a decade, by the way. A pretty mediocre defense and in some really bad ones that they made it to a Super Bowl with, 2011. The other night, the fact that the Patriots defense, I thought, played about as well as it could play in the first half of that game, and then you look up at the end and the Chiefs still have 40 points on the board. It's like, even when, I thought the, the, the Patriots defense did a fairly good job in that game and they still gave up 40. It's ridiculous. Um... That was Greg, good, Greg. Greg's trying to punch Dan. I know. It's very masculine. Uh, how about the Washington Redskins, uh, Wes? Outside the numbers. Fatal flaw. This offense can't do anything outside the numbers. They can't go down the field. They don't go to the sidelines. And you can't keep up. I just – no, they can only play one style of football. Mm. They are limited by their quarterback. Can't disagree. Do they have the weapons on the outside nope. that could make it happen with a better quarterback? They don't. Yeah, to, well, to win a title, you're right. It, it's a fatal flaw. Seems I, fatal. If I'm Jay Gruden, though, I'm thinking I want to keep my job. I want to make the playoffs. 
And I think they could do that with this kind of close to the vest limited offense. It's a very interesting matchup this week when they play the Cowboys because those two teams are very similar. It feels like there's only room for one. You know, it's like it's like there's sometimes actors are on the same corner. There's only room for one. There's only room for one of these like close to the vest. We want to run the ball. We're not. We can only play from ahead. You right. know, team from the NFC East to make it into the like playoffs. a Chris Evans, it's, Chris Pine scenario. Right. Exactly. So we're gonna find out this week who's the Chris Evans. <laughs> there's this quote. Sorry, Pine. Pine takes heat. There's this quote about Sick Gilman, one of the best offensive minds in history, and Bill Walsh was similar, that he made the defense cover the entire 53-by-100-yard field. And you see the Chiefs do that now. The Redskins don't, and it's the quarterback difference. All right, Mark. Now I want you to uh, think about this analytically, not with your heart. I don't know if I have that ability, but I'll attempt to. You can do this. The Pittsburgh Steelers locker room. Fatal flaw, long haul. No, I don't think it is. And here's one don't thing. don't think it that, is. A fatal flaw. Okay. Here's one thing that I feel like, and, and the Steelers are a long shot to at this point with the other teams only to win the Super Bowl. But when you think about those, uh, the America's game, Super Bowl, like recaps, those incredible hour-long specials, this feels like the setup for one of the best ones of all time. Your running back's not there. Your wide receiver's mouthy. Everyone's going off. It's a, it's a total drama-filled locker room, but then they somehow find a way to get it done. This doesn't feel that different to me than Steelers' locker rooms of old. So, no. I don't, they're That's gonna have your to worst be- nightmare, the, the America's game 2018. It, Look, it's Lev Bell. It's Juju. And Tomlin. I would not they watch it, but I do think other Joe people Hayden. will. Yeah, they, they couldn't get it. Ben was like, I've already done it. Then I'll just hire an assassin on Craigslist to take me out. A, a side point here. Can can we really know to any degree of certainty what's going on in no. the locker room regardless? No. Wait, would, well, we have an insider. You would pay in someone room. to kill you? That may come when I have to write the Thursday night uh, Broncos-Cardinals recap. That feels I mean, like right a waste of money. Yeah, save yeah. it. You go, Save the money for your family at least. Low-level kill. It's like, honey, I'm going to be leaving the world forever, and also I'm going to put us underwater financially uh, because I'm going to hire a really accomplished hitman. Yeah, but like, that's what? A, what? That's yeah. a brutal recap. Well, also, by the way, you have to get that job right. Well, yeah. You can't true. go halfway with that job. Very morbid so. conversation. I'm enjoying it, though. The Minnesota Vikings, ground attack and O-line. Greg, fatal flaw? Long haul. Long haul because uh, I think the the strengths on their team can be strong enough to overcome that. When you have a quarterback in Cousins who's playing better under pressure than than he ever has before, and you have a defense that has the potential to be much better than they have. They need to be much better. But I think they can make up. Their running backs are fine. So it's really the line we're talking about, and I think they can make up for, for that line. Ran well last week. Not a great opponent, but how yeah. about the – Dalvin Cook will come back eventually, and they do have a wild card. They drafted a guy named Brian O'Neill in the second round, and maybe he wasn't ready to start at the beginning of the year, but he played last week, and that's when they had their best rushing game of the year, so maybe Brian O'Neill works his way in there and helps stabilize them. Wes, how about the Falcons' defense? Fatal flaw? It's been a fatal flaw for (laughs) a month now, and people aren't willing to accept it, but it's – it's Who are these people that won't accept it? Greg Rosenthal. like the only one that hasn't accepted it. It's going to doom them. It's not – it's not a matter of probably. It's not a matter of if, but when. Probably they already they, have four losses. I always like when Wes has little bullet points set up for the pod that are really just attacks on Greg, and then they go back and forth. I didn't know other. you were going to talk people. about the Falcons defense. <laughs> I'm people. looking at your list. <laughs> I know, but there's like 20 names on here. Who knows? I mean, yeah, their defense is lousy. It's I just you always think when you have like a quarterback playing at at, at as well as he ever has, putting up 33 points a game, that they're going to have a chance to turn around. 
a play here or there, and they they would be four and two, but they're not. Their defense is so bad that they make complaints about Steve Sarkeesian seem like a much more innocent time. <laughs> He's been fine. That was like pre nine eleven for the Falcons. It was. Yeah, that was American Beauty winning the Oscar. Yeah. Pre nine eleven was the first stuff. half of the Super Bowl. Wait, what is it? I don't get that. All analogy. blue skies. Well, yeah, the American Beauty was like this. American Beauty would have never won the Oscar after nine eleven. That's an interesting take. Wow. Why, yeah. why, why Wait, is that? Dig into that. I like that. It's a much more innocent time. Like that. All we had to care about was some shallow real estate maven, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, didn't Crash win after 9 Crash should never have won. Crash that, was, that, that was a, not a good movie. Crash was just a flat-out bad movie. Wait, can Bird, we? Birdman won after 9-11. Birdman is better than either of those movies. It is, but it's still. That was post-9-11. That's what I'm saying. But can we table Greg's assignment for you, Wes, and you can instead write a dissertation essay yeah. about this American Beauty 9-11 connection? I don't think this is an original thought. Oh, really? I guarantee wow. somebody has written this column before. Well, there's, there's I'm no, going to do some Googling. There's no doubt that American Beauty has aged worse than just about any movie I saw in college that I thought was mind-blowing. And then you right. watch it now and you're like, wow, oh, this it's, is so A lot of movies from the so five basic. to seven-year period yeah. there have aged horribly. It's in that, it's in that Garden State Club. Great acting, yeah. but... It's I might be shallow not as bad as because garden. I never thought it was some mind-blowing special thing to see a garbage bag blowing in the wind. <laughs> and uh, and by the way, this was before that that movie started aging poorly. American Beauty before Kevin Spacey was outed as a creep. Long that's before, true. yeah. And that's only kind of made it even more toxic. It's, yes, yeah. Net Benning's pretty awesome in it. Though. She does a nice gotta, job. Net Benning's awesome in it. Gotta give her credit. She does a nice job in that film. She's great. <laughs> Who's the real estate man again? What's his name? She's shouting. Oh, I forget what his name. Peter is. Gallagher is. is that it's played by Gallagher. He's good. He's good. Uh, who's the king, baby? All right, uh, last one. We got to we got to move on here. How about well, since they are the defending champions, the Eagles secondary? It's been problematic. Fatal flaw. Long haul. I'm going to defer to Greg on this one since they are his team. Well, I yeah, I'm locking them up. Uh, Every week uh, until proven other. Can I lock up on a Wednesday show? That would be a first. Let's hold off, Greg. Okay. Let's uh, <laughs> hold off. We'll not to, to spoil that. it here. Yeah. So I don't think it's a fatal flaw. They need. They do need to improve. Rodney McLeod's been a huge loss for them. They do have a great, you know, a good cornerback uh, in Ronald Darby. They, they need the rest of the group certainly to play better. Malcolm Jenkins. But I think if your front seven is as dominant as they hope it can be and it's getting there, then you can cover up for the secondary. Not a fatal flaw. Jalen Mills has been a whipping boy in, among fans there. And yeah. Sidney Jones, uh, their slot guy, has a hamstring injury. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next Roswell Douglas, not great. They've, put, they've invested picks at those positions, and they haven't panned out. I have nothing to add. You're pointing at me. Oh, on this? There, we, do, we do have something else, yes. <laughs> something else. Here we go. Please leave that in. <laughs> Things going well for you, are they? Yes. Maybe too well? Probably. Here are some fresh ideas you could pursue to cause ample chaos in your life. One, trade your boring corporate job for a life of adventure. March into your employer's office. Tell them you've had enough of the man controlling your every move. Totally ghost your friends and family and venture into deep Europe on a 22-month backpacking voyage of self-discovery. Then realize after three lush nights in Berlin that you've maxed out your credit card and your furious significant other had your cell phone canceled. Bad move. Two, drift aimlessly through your education with no sense of the power and possibility of global and local economic theory. Mm-hmm. All right. Three, build time into your schedule to re-engage with your high school girlfriend on Facebook. Remember her? You know the one. An excellent teller of stories, trash-talking always, hazel, watery eyes, 
dark locks tied up in a bun, sometimes Princess Leia style, drove a magenta-colored VW bug, wrote thrilling clipped emails about her inner world, would drink vodka while the rest drank beer, would randomly call at 11.27 p.m. asking about the hidden meaning of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, would bring hope in the quiet moments when you're alone at work, wondering if life would lead to anything beyond a nameless job inside a corporate building resembling a low-rent Death Star. Yeah, don't Facebook her. Not a good idea. But back to number two, that beautiful realm of global and local economic theory. That one's a green light. Totally f***ing green. Sign up for Mr. Flame's high school economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands today at www.flameclass.com. Mr. F. My high school girlfriend smokes cigarettes. I feel like I know what option Mark's taking. Oh, yeah. He's not taking the advice in that that read. No, no, no. He's going, I am taking the advice going and going three. with the flame class. Going Thank you. Option three. <laughs> and I know your high school girlfriend did not email you. So that was before email. Well, so, yeah, it's no, not now, self-referential. I think in the l- okay. Not year. self-referential. Handwritten quill pen. <laughs> no, not at all. It's like by candlelight. That's absurd. <laughs> Whale well, blubber. Uh, as I uh, said uh, at the top of the show, a little tease. If you have not been watching the Twitter show and you've been saying, oh, we miss Colleen Wolf. We wish she was on the show. It's like she is in the off season. And last year, well, she's real busy, but she is part of our Tuesday show. Here was our conversation, our Skype convo with Connie on yesterday's Twitter show, which you could check out, by the way, uh, by hitting up the top of uh, our respective uh, Twitter profiles. Uh, here was our convo about travel violations from a woman that would know. It was really tough to narrow this down. And I do feel like I'm an authority on this right now. I'm flying three times a week. There's a lot of annoying things that happen in airports. So I really tried to mix this up. But number five, all right, the shade up on an early morning flight. Look, I'm an aisle person on planes, but that means I don't have access to the window. And the, these people who get on 8 a.m. Mm. flights and fly with the window open the whole time, that mm. should not be allowed. You should not be allowed to have your shade up mm. until after 10 o'clock in the morning. And I understand maybe on, like, takeoff and landing because you're excited, fine. But in the middle of the flight, no, that shade needs to be down. Mm, spot on. I, I'm okay. with you. Let's get over the, oh, let's look, you know, when we're coming in and out of the city. We're adults. <laughs> We've seen it by now. Uh, you know what, right. Greg, you are a, a, a cynic, as we know, from Twitter. Greg's <laughs> like no on human experience. Yeah, I love yeah. that one, though. I love that one just because people aren't thinking about that. I, 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 like the, I like looking out the window, touchdown, and, and take off. But I understand early in the morning <laughs> – yeah, uh, I get it. Okay, so come on. All right, five. so Wes, number four. Yeah, have the DCC to feel bad about it. If moving you... violations. <laughs> right. Sorry, and this start is over, like... Colleen. Start over. We didn't hear the beginning of that. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of terminal moving violations. A lot of violations in the terminal. So especially if you're in a crowded terminal, a lot of times you have mall walkers. You have families that are like mm. four or five wide, and you can't get past them, and they're moving so slowly. Like you got to be aware of your surroundings. Also, there are people that just like abruptly stop in the middle of walking with no warning whatsoever to just start texting on their phone. So there's a lot of obstacles. You have to be aware of your surroundings. It's like a video game trying to get through the terminals. Like all I'm asking is, is like, you know, as if you're in a car, pull over if you're going to text. Like, don't just stop in the middle of the walkway. She's describing subhumans, basically. so many people trip over other people. It's insane. That's absolutely true. That's rude to stop uh, in your tracks to use 
use your phone. But the one about the families, that one's a little more dicey, Colleen. What do you what do you suggest? <laughs> uh, a Let's say Mark's family, for instance. Yeah. He's, he's got his wife with him and two young boys, and they're wor- walking maybe not at warp speed because they're not they're, they're carrying some luggage and all that. What True do you story. want them to True do? True story. I understand that. And you know what? There is a pass for children because I get it. It's tough to wrangle children. This is more for the adults. This is more for okay. the groups. Or go to group two, of people who know. are all going on vacation together like and everybody are. is just like taking in the sights, walking very slow, too slow. All right. What do we got for number three? Number three is um, overly loud cell phone talkers on the plane. I don't okay. need to hear your it. whole conversation. Nobody cares about your whole conversation. And it's also kind of rude. And it's annoying, right? Doesn't this happen to you guys? Yeah, yeah. We've talked about it, Colleen, before. We've had maybe three to five conversations on the phone, and it's always awkward. Why do you even have to talk on the phone anymore? Texting much better. Exactly. I'm with you on that one. Number two, this might not be as big for other people, but it's big for me because it's happened to me multiple times already this year. People taking their trash and then putting it on my seat before I get to the seat, before I sit down. So this is like the early boarders who get there and then like have wrappers and just like leave it on on my seat or in front of me. Like it's I think that's super rude. And that's one of the most disrespectful things you can do. Like, oh, I don't need to take care of my own trash. You can, stranger. What is that about? Mm. Just saying. That's legit. Maybe you need That's, to upgrade your status a little bit and not be worried. You know, some of these people move up a, a class rank, and you don't have to worry about that type of stuff. I mean, she's flying Working first class. On that. Let's, let's not be. Let's not. <laughs> let's not play around here. Well, when you fly as much as I do, you do get good status. But the number one <laughs> biggest violation here, something I've seen so many times, and it's the most disgusting thing in the entire world. Look, taking off your shoes is one thing on a flight, and I disagree with that. But when you go to the bathroom and just your socks on a plane, that is, you should be thrown off the plane midair. That is so disgusting. <laughs> I can't even tell you how many people I've seen do it. It's so gross. Oh, great work by Colleen. How, how we miss her. A lot of complaints. Yeah, she's, she's, and she's one to know. I mean, the, the amount of travel that Colleen, I mean, it's a wild amount of travel. Blows one's mind. Uh-oh. It's calling for it. All right, Greg. Breaking news, the NFL Network newsroom. Adam Gase has announced Ryan Tannehill is out this week with a shoulder injury. Man, Brocktober continues. I love Brocktober. Who do they play this the week? The Lions might need to lock that up. I, I think this story has been a little under the radar. Henry Hodgson um, vying for the NFL Media Insider status has been posting some interesting tweets from some Dolphins sources that do make you wonder just about Ryan Tannehill's future this season and then larger with the Dolphins been because posting? of this injury. Uh, he's been retweeting uh, some other interesting <laughs> sources. and uh, Wait, posting or retweeting? Like he's ball. got the source? He's little got ball. Like the retweet where you comment on it. So it counts. Interesting. He is directing oh, people to the it. stories he wants them to read. Because right. He thinks there's something. It, it does make, Henry's plugged in. It does make you think a little bit about this was supposed to be the year you they decided on Ryan Tannehill, and you, you think that decision's been made? No, just that this injury may prevent it from ever happening. Make it for them. I mean, well, it, this could be pretty serious. Is let's just wait until like. Brock Osweiler when he throws for twelve yards on Sunday against. The I Giants. don't think they're assuming that Brock Osweiler's the answer, right. but another home just, game that that just, bodes well. We shall see. It's a hundred degrees. Matt Patricia coming off a bye. Mm. 
And part of the thing with Tannehill is not just, uh, yeah, whatever he's, Patricia has that by. Isn't he a, literally? I mean, we've, a, never ex, we've never experienced that before. But. Isn't he literally a rocket scientist? Yeah. Uh, one of the things with Tannehill, by the way, is not just his play, but can he stay healthy? And yep. he's hurt again this year. So that has to be factored into, I'm sure, with the decision making. Finally, Thursday night preview, week seven, it begins. Oh, boy. Broncos at Cardinals. Uh, the Broncos are in a free fall. West bailed on him, which makes me happy. Oh, I couldn't uh, bail fast enough. Uh, so he, he's I with me. I used him for two locks and then got out. <laughs> and now uh, they bam, get. Bam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> they get the Cardinals. Uh, not professional. Are, uh, you know, a mess. They're one in five. Uh, so this is a game that if you want to look at half, uh, half cup filled, uh, you got Josh Rosen in his first primetime game, and um, Von Miller trying to chase him down. You got, got. got, got Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Okay. Who's looked who, – they've looked great. I Where's mean, Bradley Chubb, by the way? Is he making the impact? Yeah, he, he had a good game last year. Three sacks last yeah, week. Yeah, he had a good game. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Breakout game. I'll give him that. He's been solid. He's been solid. Um, Broncos doing a lot of talking this week. John Elway says we're fighting for our lives. He pretty much called out the team, and Von Miller says we're going to go down it there. It does feel like – Von Miller says we're going to kick their ass. Yeah. It does feel like there's something at stake, even though I know this is not a high-octane game, but it does feel like if you lose to the Cardinals, who I I think are the worst team in the NFL, just according to the facts, like if you lose – if the Broncos (laughs) – I'm saying if you look at the the analytics, just the efficiency, they were very lucky to win the one game even that they won. I think they've been on balance the worst team in the NFL. If you lose to them in the farm, pe- people go to the farm, sometimes they don't come back. <laughs> no, sometimes you stay at the farm. You, you, you're with the doggies. Uh, by the way, building up expectations and, and pressure in this game. Also, Steve Wilkes, the first-year head coach of the Cardinals, here's what he had to say. Uh, I would say all our jobs are in jeopardy, uh, including mine if we don't win. I mean, Steve, you don't. You're a first-year coach you on a rebuilding yeah, you team. That you, don't often. Need, you don't need to put that out there because you, what you're doing is you're not necessarily um, making ownership think that way, but you're making the fans think that way. Because and and then you just builds more pressure. I, I thought that was a mistake to talk that way. You got, you got a bad team, Steve. You can get beat in this game, and it doesn't mean you should then be fired or sh- that should be even connected to your name. I thought that was a weird quote. Their defense is fighting hard, and I think they're playing better than the Broncos. Much more ballyhooed defense right now. That's true. We could, you could see that. You could see Chandler Jones and Patrick Peterson and and I have a theory. Josh Bynes making enough plays in this game to win it on their own. And Josh Rosen's very capable of making a, a few big throws into into tight windows. We, yeah, give we, give Cardinals a win and give Jason Zumwalt something to smile. About. It's been a bad year, but they lost to the Bears, fourteen sixteen. They lost to the Seahawks 17 to 20, and they beat the the 49ers 28 to 18, a team that nearly took out a bigger contender on Monday night. So I I don't think that they're awful, but they have just a talent issue on offense for sure. Their offense is almost unwatchable. I have a theory on this Broncos defense. They were a top five run D last year. They gave up 77 yards per game on the ground through three weeks this year. And then Case Keenum missed a wide-open throw to Demarius Thomas to win the game. And their defense said, we've got three or four games worth of, <laughs> of game film here that says Case Keenum just can't make the throws that he needs to make for us to win. We wanted Kirk Cousins. We openly pined for him. Wow, and we got theory. stuck with a guy who's not good enough to bring us back to the playoffs. And I think that's – I think it was a natural letdown from that. Jets broke their spirit with that game. Love that idea. Uh, did we bring up that John Elway called his own defense soft? Now we have. Huh. Well, it doesn't the shoe fit? They're the first defense in history to give up 
a 200-yard rusher in back-to-back games. John. Hey, John. If your defense is soft and your offense is no good. What are you? You made a bad team. Yeah. And twins. <laughs> uh, we'll be back uh, late tomorrow night. Actually, the Sizzler and I will be uh, handling the recap of this fine, fine Thursday night football game. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, we'll, re- Ring wine. we'll review all of the Week 7 games that lie ahead on Sunday and Monday, so make sure you tune in for that. And uh, that's it. Stan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman, the old boss. And Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Wow, what an ad read. What an ad read. Till Thursday night. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.